We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Derek Jeter just stepped off the podium like an hour ago. Before we get into it, I just want to read you the Hall of Fame plaque because that was obviously uh, released today to the, for the first time to the public. Derek Sanderson Jeter, the captain, New York, American League, 1995 to 2014. Heartbeat of a Yankees dynasty. Defined a two-decade run of Bronx dominance that produced 17 postseason appearances, seven American League pennants, and five World Series championships. Selected to 14 All-Star games and named 1996 AL Rookie of the Year. Winner of five Gold Glove Awards, appearing in all his 2,674 games in the field at shortstop, Totaled 200 or more hits in eight seasons, retiring sixth all-time with 3,465, scored 1,923 runs with 100 or more in 13 seasons. In a record 158 postseason games, this is where it gets good. Batted 308 with 111 runs, 200 hits, 32 doubles, and 20 homers. Earned 2,000 World Series Most Valuable Player, Scott. What do you think of the ceremony, the afternoon, the Jeter stuff, all of it? So first of all, the afternoon was a long afternoon. 
it didn't rain for the most part. It, it You could see the rain coming down when Jeter was up at the podium and, and he was giving his speech, but it held out enough for everybody to to continue to be there. You know, anytime you can you can go back in history and and just uh, tap into that nostalgia and uh, relive some Derek Jeter moments and those mid '90s moments. Then it's a good day. It's a good. Day. I will listen and watch. And you know, I'm here for all of that. We we were uh, we were talking like uh, just through text uh, during during when the ceremony started because it started at 1:30, and he didn't get on until what I write down uh, 3:49. So he got on two two hours plus later after they introduced every single person that was on stage. And then they went through, you know, a, a couple of different videos and then had the other inductees go ahead of Jeter. Obviously, they're, they're saving uh, Jeter for, to, you know, to bring it up as the finale, as like the, the, the main guy there, which I understand. I, I, look, I like, I like hearing all of the players and a little bit about them. Like, I thought that was fun just kind of going through them um, uh, and, and hearing all of that stuff. We haven't had this in two years. So this is you know, we talk about the Hall of Fame and and all of the things that go into it and and how mucky it gets with the writers and and just people's opinions about the Hall of Fame and that's fine and dandy. But uh, when you get down to it, you start looking back and you remember these guys playing and you 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 kind of relive their careers in, in shorts and uh, snippets. And I think it's a lot of fun. So you know, I missed it last year. Glad we could do it this year. Glad they did it in person. Had a, a bunch of people there. A lot of Yankees fans, obviously. Um, but I thought it was I thought it was fun and I thought his speech was good. I thought it was. Very Derek Jeter esque. I, I found it funny that he made mention of the weather a few times. That he was just hoping it doesn't rain. It's just like that's something everyone can relate to. Whether you're having like family over for a barbecue, you're having a wedding, or you're being inducted into the freaking National Baseball Hall of Fame, you're just hoping it doesn't rain so so it doesn't just ruin everyone's time. So I found that to be very relatable to a guy that is very difficult to relate to in in most aspects. So. But not yeah, really. I, but at the same time, not really. But I, because no, I think that is. every I mean, Yankee, he's, he's a professional athlete worth that's hundreds fine. Of millions of dollars and CEO of a baseball team with a supermodel wife. Yes, not really <laughs> relatable. Okay, all of those things that you said are actually very true. But but every single person who watched him his entire career does have this relatability to Derek Jeter because he came up and grew up as a New York Yankee before our eyes, and that was relatable. There were there are well, elements sense, of Derek yeah. Jeter. That was that are very relatable to New York Yankees fans because he was there the entire time. We saw him forever, and now he's all grown up and has a you know owns a team and has a supermodel <laughs> wife and all of those things. Like good for him. No longer relatable, but still the common man seemingly when he's talking to you. That's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. No, I mean, so I actually people were were complaining, maybe sarcastically or not, that like, how do you do this on a Wednesday afternoon? Blah blah. What the freak else are you doing on Wednesday afternoon? Throw this on in the background of, of work and watch it. The reason I think you and I were taken aback at how long it took for Jeter to get on stage is because we've never sat down and watched an entire Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony. We've seen speeches like I watched Mariano Rivera's speech or I watched Ken Griffey Jr.'s speech, but I didn't watch from one o'clock till four o'clock to, to, to hear all the speeches uh, on those ceremonies because normally... There's Sunday afternoons in the middle of the baseball season, and there's a baseball game on. So you're probably watching your baseball team, or you're at the beach or something. I actually think they may have stumbled upon a really good idea, and that's doing this when there's no other baseball on. Do this Wednesday afternoon on a, uh, in September when the entire baseball world has nothing else to do except watch this ceremony. 
Let me ask you, if this was in prime time though, if this was like, you know, seven or eight o'clock, they had some lights on, they like did a whole thing. Do you think it would be more of an impact and like people would watch it at that point? I or maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe at the same time as a baseball ratings, game, seven the o'clock. Would, yeah, the ratings would probably be better. You know when it would like actually kind of make sense to do, but I think logistically baseball would never do this is like the day after the all-star game. Yeah. It doesn't but make they, sense. But they would, they would never do that because other players are traveling and like the, the commissioner, like logistically it would be a nightmare, but like when else is on the baseball calendar is nothing going on. It's other than the day after the all-star game. Yeah, no, it's true. It's uh, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to harp on all the details I like, here. I, I like that it was in the afternoon. I think that adds a cool atmosphere to it. It's like, it's in the middle of Cooperstown, New York, which is in Bumblefuck, New York. You're just, it's like old school, right? It's old school. It's a beautiful At, town. It's an absolutely beautiful town with uh, the lake there is gorgeous. Abner Doubleday Field and stuff. It's like, there were no lights when baseball was first around. No, we're doing sure. this in, in daylight. We're inducting people in daylight. I like it. Yeah, that's fine. I do too. I, I was just asking the question. All right, so let's talk about the speech itself because there were a bunch of stuff in there that that I I caught. Um, I was writing down notes as I was listening to it because if there were, there were so many small things, and I listened to the interview with him and Harold Reynolds, which I appreciated because I like Harold Reynolds and their friends. Anybody who doesn't like Harold Reynolds, get your head examined. He's a real talk about relatable Harold Reynolds, baby. Anyway, the um, there there were a number of things. I I saw I took the the comments to when he was thanking everybody. So first of all, he thanked the fa- his family first and foremost, right? Kind of expected that. Knew he was going to talk about his family a lot, um, specifically his parents and and the people that like shaped him to who he was. He talks about that quite often and really does always kind of lean on his upbringing and uh, you know the way that he was not only raised at home but through baseball and through the Yankees organization, which again relatable to parents. Uh, there, you know, there's a lot of relatability, I think, uh, with there. He's very much um, family oriented, but he, he apologized. I thought this was great because he apologized to um, the trainers and, and said, I'm sorry I lied to you for all those years, but it was my responsibility to play every day. And he kind of paused when he was saying that a little bit, like almost looked into the camera like, like he does sometimes. And it, I felt like it was a jab to all of these soft candy ass players these days who are continuously sitting out and waiting and not playing in games. He saw it as his responsibility to the fans that, that, it, was, that it was his job to play every day. He, he had to earn their respect, their trust. He talked a lot about that. I, I, love, I love when he talks about that because, I, one, I believe him. Um, he talks about the Yankees fans can't be fooled. He talked about uh, representing all of, uh, all of the, um, the fans and New York, like having that weight on his shoulders, and he used that as motivation. Love that. Love that. I I like the narrative you're constructing here that he's taking jabs at players who who require load management. It was a subtle, it was just a subtle little very Derek Jeter-esque thing. I I want to get on board with you, but I've heard him make that statement numerous times before that he lied. Because he's trying to layer it in. He, that he lied to the train. Sorry for he always does. That's his sort of humor. He's like, yes. sorry, I lied to you. Smirk. Right. It's like, oh, uh, so, uh, so, uh, yeah. So like that's he said that before. He's dentite bastard. <laughs> he's used that line before, and that it's his responsibility to pray to play every day. Like that was his job. I'm just doing my job. Like yeah. that that sort of humble workman's workman's attitude, which you know it, that is what it is. I mean, you are still playing a sport for a living, but yeah, it is your job to play every day. And you did that for 
basically your entire career. You were injured towards the end, but otherwise, aside from a fluke injury in 2003, you were on the field every day, and that cannot be overlooked. That is the most over... Um, the most underrated thing in sports is game play, games played. If you are on the field and playing and making an impact for your team, that's huge. And especially now with what we've seen with players that don't get on the field every day. So yeah, yeah. I guess I mean you could also look at it as as being an aggregator, but that's not what he was. He wasn't. No, I'm not just talking about aggregator. games total for your career, but like we'll go look at his baseball reference log. And you know, A Rod, who didn't get a mention, which we saw coming from a mile away. He mentioned Bernie and Posada and 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 uh Pettit and Mariano, obviously, but no no A Rod mention. A Rod, another player, maybe we know why because of steroids, but in the prime of his career, 155 games played, 158 games played, same with Cheater. That's what I'm talking about. When you're in the prime of your career, you play 97% of games that your team's yeah. in. Like that's that's an immense value to your team. You know, he he uh, again he he did spend some time on the on the fans aspect of it, which I I definitely expected. I thought I was we were gonna get some more anecdotal stories uh from him. Uh he went what 14 minutes, I think it was, or 16 yeah, minutes. Yeah, we were way we were, I mean you keep saying had, we, but you. You, you said you 10 can, minutes. I said, I said five minutes because I had never heard Derek Jeter talk that long. Okay. When he closed out the original Yankees, the old Yankee Stadium, his speech was like 35 seconds. And yes. when he did his uh, number, when they got, then they retired number two at Yankee Stadium, he talked for like a Super minute short. and a half. Okay. So I had never heard Derek Jeter talk that long. So first of all, the first three minutes were just congratulating other people on their awards and, and then get, okay. Then he it's got into his it. speech part of it. and he spent, he spent five minutes, five minutes thanking his family with some nice stories and stuff like that was, it was like definitely, um, heartwarming. And then he sort of talked about, I thought the stuff where he, you know, was, was thanking he, how now his responsibility is to, to his wife and his children and building a family and stuff like all that stuff was great. Were you expecting more? You were expecting more like baseball stories, though. Like, I thought we, I thought we would get a couple of them that were that would be used as you know in an, in an anecdotal way to trips down memory lane. Yeah, to represent yeah. something, you know, to to use it as a backdrop for something there. So yeah. you meant the the one thing I I thought was fantastic and very again classic Derek Jeter here doing things very very calculated. He was talking about his family. But then he very specifically talked to his kids, which were who were wrestling the entire time, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but he was talking to his kids, knowing that it was for later, knowing that he's talking to his kids when they're grown up and they'll actually appreciate this. He was saying particular things that were directed to his two daughters that were absolutely for. I'm getting, I get like goosebumps here, chills because you know when you when you think about your children, uh, obviously now the two of us both have kids. When you think about them growing up, like that's a that's a very crazy thought, but it's something that's, you know, he was definitely talking to the to his children as uh, as if they were older, knowing that they would look back and see this speech and hear him talking directly to them. And I thought that was awesome. Not, they can't they can't possibly appreciate it. Right no, now. they can't possibly. Of course not. There there were little kids wrestling around. Like one of them was gouging the other one's eyeballs out, <laughs> and Ahmad Rashad's just sitting back there going, you know, just like less <laughs> like damn kids, you know, and. Uh, it, it, I, I thought it was. I thought it was very cool. And but again, like pretty classic Derek Jeter in doing a lot of things, you know, calculated in a way that he knows will be impactful to a certain person or a certain uh, moment in a particular way. And I thought that was that was definitely one of them. But um, yeah, he yeah. a couple of. I mean, the money quote of it, at least the money quote that people were taking was that I had one goal in my career to win more than anyone else. 
we did. What's your favorite aspect of that quote? I wonder if it's the same as mine. The we did part of it. So yeah, yeah he he definitely. And like, I I don't. I obviously he made a, a point to say we did, but like other players that would win as much as him would say, I had one goal in my career to win more than anyone else, and I did. And but I accomplished Jeter said, that. Yeah, but Jeter said we did because like, I maybe this is just my naivete and just love for Derek Jeter. Like I truly believe he thinks of it as we won. Of course he does. I mean, who's going to push back on that right now? Nobody, nobody on these mics. I can tell you that, but, but um, yeah, of course, like the reason why he got there, I, I think so much of the, the, the slander that's directed towards Derek Jeter from, from jackasses um, uh, across the interwebs of space is when you look at him, like he's not a specimen of an athlete. He's not like a prototypical, like insanely athletic guy. Like he, he had his, he had his flaws. He had his, his, um, you know, obviously his, his strong suits, but he did rely on the things that he did well. And he did them very well. He didn't do everything well, but he did the things that he did well. And uh, he relied on the, the guys around him, I think, um, you know, to put him in good situations. So I, when you look at him as the type of player he was, yes, he was very big in clutch moments, but he also had to be in those clutch moments to, to yes. effectively and be he there. he came through in those clutch moments. He had a season's worth of postseason experience, and he hit three above 300 with over with 200 hits, and all those runs scored. Like, he, he came through against the toughest competition. You know, uh, I just did that podcast with uh, Johnny Junta. He, he's the Blue Jays guy, and he was like, oh, if Derek Jeter played for the Milwaukee Brewers, like, he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. And it's like, I hate that argument, because you could say that about anybody in sports who's won a lot. Oh, if Tom Brady played for the Miami Dolphins, he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Or if Michael Jordan played for the the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, yes, you need to be surrounded by a great team and a great organization for great players to do great things. Like, they can't do it on their own. Would Jeter still have been a great player in Milwaukee? Sure. But he's probably not going to be the legend that he is because that's part of it. You need to be put in the position to do that and then come through in those positions. Right. And you have to be surrounded with, I mean, it is a team sport at the end of the day. I mean, look what's happening in, in Anaheim. Mike Trout lauded as the, you know, best player in baseball, hasn't won a goddamn thing because hasn't been surrounded. And then the year he actually gets a little bit of talent around him, he doesn't play. But, um, there's, there's, there's definitely opportunity, but you have to be ready for those, those opportunities. Uh, there, there were a couple other things. Oh, so when he was also, again, very Derek Jeter, I was looking for these little things. This is what I was, I was kind of like uh, trying to reverse engineer all the things that he was doing. But afterwards talking to Reynolds, he mentioned that, um, yeah, try not to get emotional. Like Derek Jeter is a guy that stays, you know, ice, tries to like, but has, has particular, uh, you know, reasons why he does this, particular things that he does. And instead of making eye contact and looking at his family, knowing that that is one of those areas that will make him flutter or or get emotional, he looked above them. He looked above their heads. So he wasn't actually looking at his family when addressing them. He was just looking in their direction. So everybody thought he was looking at this family. The family probably thought he was looking at the family. But in fact, no, he's looking at the people behind them. He's looking at Jordan, looking at Ahmad Rashad and whomever else. That's CC probably there. Yeah, that's, cla- that, that's a Public classic. speaking 101. Public speaking 101 is don't make eye contact with anyone that you have a relationship with because yep. there's, just, there's too much baggage there. Stare at the wall blankly or stare at someone you've never, never in your life spoken to because this is not going to have any impact on you. But overall, I mean, I, I thought, you know, so one thing I thought like, it was good. I thought he's, I thought he spoke. I think if you could tell when he was speaking, like he had a speech written out and he would glance down at it. 
And for a brief moment, he would revert back to reading, but then it just would flow out naturally. And that's when like the speech really, in my mind, was good and natural. And like his personality came through a little bit. So, I mean, it's such a nerve wracking position to be in. Um, I know. And that's what he, he spoke about that too. Even just saying, you know, it's not the fans. It's not the, it's not the, uh, the, the moment that's too big for him. Uh, for that particular case, it was the guys behind him, all the, all his peers or the guys that did so well, you know, before him that, that, that paved that way. Uh, that's what made him nervous to make sure that he was up to the, up to the part to live up to their expectations or, or, you know, not even their expectations, but the, the way that they've, they have shown as they were there before him. Um, and it's like, he knows this speech is going to get analyzed. Like not oh, the way yeah. we're analyzing it. We're not really analyzing it, but it's going to get analyzed by writers. Uh, Dumbass, like, jackass well, people is, are going to try to... Yeah, what does he really mean by this statement? And like, I'm sure there'll be someone who tries to make something political out of this because like, that's what happens on the internet in 2021. So in that sense, also, there's just pressure to like, how do I say what I want to say without sticking my foot in my mouth? And Which he's been a pro at forever though. Like that's, has, that's exactly what he, he does. Has, he has, but if you've realized Jeter with the Marlins and what he's done with the Marlins organization has got more heat than he ever did with the Yankees. Well, yeah, because he has to make public decisions, whereas with the Yankees, he's just playing a game. You know, he doesn't really have to respond in any way. Nothing is essentially on him besides the on-the-field play. He's the guy in charge there. He has to make decisions. He has to do them with, you know, relative conviction. He has to he has to actually make moves. So it's, it's you know, you, you're opening yourself up to criticism when you do that. Um, he did he did mention, so kind of a throwback to acknowledgement of the, the people behind him um, with uh, the beginning... Uh, and celebratory congratulations to other people, and then just kind of recognizing the the people behind him as as what would you know kind of make him nervous a bit. Um, but also at the end of this, uh, and he's done this before too, but but really talked in the moment about the current players and the responsibility to the game and do the right thing and give back to the game and all these things. So saying the right things for the players today, just like you know the dude's forever like trying to plant the 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 tracks for future. You know he's always been the been conscious of of I think what he says in in a in a way where you know he knows he's a role model to a lot of different people and he knows he's an example to a lot of different people and he took it an opportunity to uh, to hit that again today too. Of course, he made he had to make mention of the one writer, the one jackass that didn't vote, vote for, him. for him. Yeah, and I don't know if that actually does bother him. He is. Oh, one it, of it these, bothers him. I think it bothers him. He's he's certainly the type of player as most most athletes are. They hold. They have chips on their shoulder or they'll invent chips on their shoulder to motivate themselves. Like we learned that from the last dance, Michael Jordan thing. It's like he would invent beef with people just to motivate himself for another game on a Tuesday night. And like, that's what you have to do sometimes. Like, yeah, no one needs motivation for a playoff game, but you need motivation for Tuesday against Kansas City. And and that's the type of player that Derek Jeter was to, to motivate himself to make sure that he showed up every night. And yeah, maybe that one voter who didn't vote for him bothers him still. Would you rather be one vote short or like 20 votes short? One vote short. I think so. Because I it's not a right answer. But it's not, there's no right answer. It's a, it's, it depends on what you're, how you're looking at it. But for, this is different. That's like saying, would I get rather give up one hit in, for, in, through nine innings or like four hits? Well, it depends on when that hit came, I think, first of all. And, and uh, in that case, I might say four hits. But the Hall of Fame, like, Come on. Everybody knows. Well, he, Everybody he knows that guy's a jackass. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He received the second highest percent of all time. Next to like he, Mariano. Next to Mariano. And then so I there think, you go. I think Griffey Jr. is the third most. I think like two people didn't vote for Griffey Jr. Like the whole, I'm not kidding. This is not going to be a conversation about the Hall of Fame voting. We've done that. I hate it. Let's just not do that again. But yeah, it was a, it was a, I enjoyed the afternoon overall. Thought it was, I thought it was fun. And I thought that, uh, yeah, Jeter's speech was great and made me a little sad also. A little sad because. Well, that's like what nostalgia the, does. It ties, it, it pulls at your emotions. It pulls at your, your strings because you're remembering how, how joyous occasions were in the past. And they are exactly that. They're gone. They're in the past. They're, they they're are, gone you already live them. You can't relive them. You can think about them. So there's there's a happiness element of that of nostalgia, but there's also that emotional sadness that that's mixed into this this chemical craziness that that makes you feel something different. But it's yeah. it's all good in the end. It's like because I know I was watching him speak, and I was like, I will never care about a baseball player as much as I cared about Derek Jeter again in my entire life. That's true. So 
that's just that that and it's because I'm no longer a child. Like I know why I know why it's the answer. Like that's part of it. Not to, if, not 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 to say that some people don't still care that deeply about the teams. Even if the Yankees somehow turn shit around once again this year and win a World Series and Aaron Judge leads them to the next five World Series, I'm not going to care about Aaron Judge the way I cared about Derek Jeter because I'm not 13 years old. So No, so but I will say this. I I will say this that Derek that that Aaron Judge has probably given me as close of a feeling of like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but Jeter was like the guy, you, you know, even going through it. I, I don't think I ever labeled him as like my guy when he was playing. I never, if someone asked me who my favorite New York Yankee was, I would say, I would probably say Mattingly. I would say Jeter's up there, but for whatever reason, it felt like the easy answer. So it was never like the answer. Even though in the at the end of the day, like if you had to choose one person from that, the one person, and even if you you would you grew up as like a Paul O'Neill guy or a Tino guy or a Bernie guy, I bet a lot of those people would would say Jeter because I think it was kind of assumed almost, right? It was like you assumed Jeter was that guy too, but Jeter so it was, was almost like who's your other guy? Right, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Jeter was everyone's favorite player. Who was the player other than Jeter that you liked? Mine was yeah. Paul O'Neill. Yours was Don Mattingly. But yes, it's but like, Don Mattingly was before. It was a different like era. Okay, you know, fine. Yours, yours was Bernie, or someone's was Pettit, or someone's was freaking Tino Martinez. Whoever it was, everyone had a guy other than Jeter. But it was always Jeter and another guy. Right, and but yeah, exactly. I, so I think Judge got me back to that point where uh, you know I can really rally behind one player. He makes it easy. At least he did for me. Certainly, a lot of people get get on him about he, the injury yeah. stuff, which I think is just whatever. I mean, that's part of it. We just it's talked part about of it. like Derek. She's like freaking. Look at what Jeter said in his speech. Like he played every day. Like that. I understand part of that. It. I understand that. There's also a piece of this where if Judge were put in a position and had the winning years that Jeter had, I don't know. Even even if we're even though we're older, we're still gonna f- that 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 piece of. Uh, your childhood comes back when winning happens. Winning is it's a different cure-all. euphoria. Winning's the cure-all. And I think it was It makes you feel people. differently about people too. They were primed for it. Like we don't need to rehash this, but they were primed for it at the end of 2017. And it hasn't happened yet. Sons of bitches. <laughs> All right. That's gonna that's gonna do it. I so, hope they watch today's speech I and hope, understand what did you, you could see this, be. Did you see the pictures from Yankee Stadium? They had it up on the big board, and there was a bunch of guys out in center field watching, but not everybody. But not Uh-oh. everybody. Who was missing? It we was don't know because Derek Cole's birthday today. By the, the way, picture. that's that's what we you know we didn't even talk about that from last night. I know this is well, not about that. We'll talk about that on Friday. Can we not ruin the Derek Jeter episode with <laughs> Derek Cole injury talk. I mean, <laughs> sorry. Geez. But yeah, we'll do a Friday fives. I, I, the pictures that circulated from like the reporters and stuff were from the, um, from the booth. So you couldn't tell who's, who's out there watching, but there were guys out there watching. I'd say maybe 20 guys out there watching. So, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed Derek Jeter day. We did a couple throwback episodes, the, a brief history episode on how Derek Jeter fell to the Yankees in the draft. He did mention the scout. Which, which was one thing that we said would happen. He mentioned Grouch, Gouch, Grouch, the, the scout, and then also the top five career moments of Derek Jeter, which Scott and I recorded about it a year and a half ago. Go check those episodes out for nostalgia purposes. And also check out the episode I did 
talking to uh, Johnny Junta, who's a Blue Jays fan. He also has his own podcast where he interviews current and former players. So busy day on the Bronx Pinstripes feed. Any parting words on the Derek Jeter ceremony? Um, I, I just, I, I enjoyed uh, hearing him talk about uh, everything. I thought he did a good job. Um, nothing, nothing Bernie, new. Bernie with the fun. National Bernie, Anthem. Bernie with the National Anthem. Yeah, you know, it's it's cool how those guys can tie it all together. I hope they get some opportunities to, uh, you know, to, to hang out together. He, he mentioned afterwards he hadn't really hung out with them yet. Uh, just I'm sure because of the the whirlwind of the day and who who knows what kind of like COVID protocols they have in place I don't know, but I hope they get an opportunity to have a, a you know a roundtable steak dinner. Hopefully somebody records it uh, so that we can watch it later. All right, we will talk to you guys again on Friday. We'll do a Friday fives talking about every bad thing that's happened this week so far. We'll talk to you then. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.